2: Hey gang, today's guest is rapper, singer, and songwriter Hoodie Allen from Plainview, New York Together, we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the hit single All About It, taken from Hoodie's 2014 debut album, People Keep Talking This track is a collaboration between Hoodie and Ed Sheeran, with Ed providing vocals throughout the song. The two have been friends for some time when Ed suggested they write a track together. Hoodie mentioned that the initial idea in writing for the song came about rather quickly. It wasn't until they got into the studio, with producer R.J. Ferguson, that things began to take longer as the song was being recorded. They rewrote the intro to the song like 30 times, until they all felt that it was right. The outro of the song was a hook that Ed kept singing throughout the session, And was so catchy that Hoodie considered making it a bigger feature within the song. It was an interesting risk to take, tacking on a brand new part at the end of an already super strong and catchy track, but the payoff worked well. And this is the first song I've broken down here on Krista Makes a Podcast, with a lyrical reference to both Larry David and Miles Davis. Pretty cool. For all this and a whole lot more, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard Krista? a podcast Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast
1: Hey, hoodie, how's it going? Doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me today. You're
2: very, very welcome. Uh, before we started rolling here, you you told me that uh, you're you're on a day off today. Uh, your bus broke down and you're stuck somewhere in Texas with no Ubers. So uh, li- living the dream, there, pal.
1: Yeah, you know, people always think that tour life is is so glorious, <laughs> and <laughs> as as I'm sure you know, and anyone who has experienced it from any level, even even when you're in the the nice, like, hey, I'm on a tour bus. There's a there's always something that that brings you back down to earth. So yeah, just having one of those one of those days so far.
2: Absolutely. Well, how, how's the tour going in general, though?
1: In general, the shows the shows have been fantastic. Logistics, you know, sometimes tough when it, when you're touring in the summer and it's hot and things overheat and break down. But the shows have been awesome. It's been so great to uh to be back in front of fans because this is the first time I've toured since uh since everything shut down for the pandemic so it, it's been nice
2: oh no kid well congratulations i'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back out there
1: Th- thanks so much
2: yeah and i understand you're from Plainview, new york my band made a career out of uh, the whole long island area uh, in the, back in the 90s it was just like uh, uh punk and, and and ska music was just thriving up there what a what a great uh, scene to be part of up there
1: i mean you know people always ask me too because Long Island sort of has the origination and roots of a lot of a lot of that sort of the scene in a sense, you know, there are a lot of bands that came out of there. So when I started being, you know, predominantly, I guess, like more in the hip hop space or the pop slash hip hop space, I've always had these sort of undertone roots back to I don't know if you want to call it pop punk, emo, like all, all, all this sort of stuff. And it's um it's cool to kind of bring it full circle.
2: Yeah, I can hear all those influences and then some with, within your stuff. It's it's kind of in in a great way. It's kind of all over the place and, and and I love it. Your story's interesting too. You know, you've been at it for over 10 years now. You started with an EP in 2012, and then your first full-length, People Keep Talking, came out in October 2014, debuted at number eight on the Billboard. 200 which is absolutely incredible and all about it the song we're going to talk about today was the fourth single from the album Which this is incredible. How did you get hooked up with on your first record with Ed Sheeran? Who is the co-vocalist on this track?
1: Yeah, so it's a it's a bit funny because um, I had known Ed since probably 2012 when like, so I, I've, I've been making mixtapes and, and putting releases out independently for, I would say, I mean, a while, but in terms of people caring, it maybe a few years before that, you know, leading up, leading up to that moment. And, um, he was just someone who we were introduced to each other and we became friends every time he would come to New York. Like that's my drinking buddy. We would go out, I would show him a good time. And like, maybe he's not at the uh crazy stadium level at that point but he's still ed sheeran he's still killing it (laughs) he's still doing it up big yeah and we were we were friends for multiple years before the idea of getting in the studio ever happened and i i always you know and i don't know how you feel about this but when it comes to relationships and the music business i always want to prioritize friendship over anything else and i think I've experienced it. I'm sure you have too. Where like you feel like someone's kind of looking for like, hey, what can what can this person do for me, right? One of one of those situations. And with Ed, like I I just I love him so much. Like I never wanted to cross anything off other than like, hey, this is this is my homie. We don't need to make music together in order to validate our friendship. But eventually, it just it just happened, sort of naturally and organically. And one night, he was like, hey, why don't we go in the studio? And I was like sure i think i have a couple ideas like let's let's lay some ideas down and it it was a song that came together like instantly upon us actually getting together to work on it
2: that's amazing and now it was the fourth single from the album did the label did you feel that there was other songs that should have been put ahead of this track because of course it did feature ed which to your point he wasn't maybe stadium level at that point but he was a big name why why not lead off with this track
1: yeah so um uh, i basically done my whole career like completely independent, sort of been like the independent, like, champion. So going into this record, I started to release some singles in advance of it on on my own. And I knew I had the song with Ed. But basically, like we had made the song and then it started the process of like, now it's time to try to get this song cleared on an international level with with Warner, because he's the biggest artist on Warner. And it, it kind of, it was kind of an awakening for me because i'm this indie artist and he's a very big priority on this label they have their own plan with him and um basically like for the longest time it was just like hey this song isn't gonna happen it's not gonna exist like it's not gonna come out so it was kind of denied at first and then it ended up on the desk of craig kalman over at, at atlantic records and he loved it. And he said, Hey, I I like, I like, want to bring you in, like, I want, like, can we talk about this? And I, I came in for a meeting, and I played him the whole rest of the album, because the whole album was done. At this point, I had started already releasing, you know, some of these singles. And uh, they were like, we really like a lot of this, like, let's let's figure out like a little partnership for this. So it was my first time sort of doing any sort of uh, joint venture with a label because that's what you need to do sometimes to, to get a, a song cleared. So that's kind of, that's kind of how it ended up being, you know, a, a technically like a later single single in the process.
2: Awesome. Well, Hey man, mad props to you for being, for your transparency there. That's, that's the real story we got from hoodie Allen right here. Cause yeah. you could have candy coated that in a million ways. No, no. I, <laughs> but I, I
1: bottom it's... bottom line is you guys had to get it clear. Yeah. I think that that was part of the reason why I thought it was interesting to talk about the song too, because you know, um, not only the musicality of it, but it kind of, is an interesting like there's interesting aspects of it from the perspective of someone who's like been sort of fiercely independent and how what happens when you you are trying to go to work with somebody who's you know has you know a bigger team a, a more like global level reach and how do, how do those things happen? And I, I don't think everyone knows sometimes what it takes to to make that really happen, you know?
2: Well, good for you with being, uh, you know, calculated about it and and, and doing your best to kind of understand it. Because as you said, you were just independent artist, And all of a sudden, here you are with basically a friend of yours who's this you know who's a superstar and uh i think i think you worked the angle really well you know you've released three records after uh this album happy camper the hype and whatever usa in 2016 2017 and 2019 respectively and you've had a couple recent releases a pop punk song called call me never which is awesome and another one called wouldn't that be nice uh and those are both singles from an upcoming album i guess you're going to be releasing soon correct
1: yeah yeah the plan is to to release that the minute that uh, well at the minute but shortly shortly after this tour wraps up, uh, it's time to actually get this this full record out there. And it's definitely a little bit of a departure sonically from what people have have come to expect from me, but that's kind of like the exciting thing about it for me.
2: That's very cool. Now, did you write this song prior to having a vision of, of Ed being a part of it, or did you write this with him? Like, did he write his, his lyrical parts, or was this all you?
1: So on All About It, uh, when we got into the studio, uh, my main collaborator at that time and and everything before it was my friend, RJ Ferguson. And he sort of had this, his little trumpet loop basically on his- uh, Yes. And that was really the basis. We had like the bump, bump, bump. And that was just kind of like this 15 second loop with maybe some minimal drums. And that was really just the two track that we brought into the studio and said, hey, okay, hey, what stands out to you? I played a couple of things for Ed. This was the thing that stood out to him. He grabbed his guitar uh started playing some stuff over it we we're just both in there kind of coming up with top line ideas you know and it's kind of interesting for me because ed very much was in the mindset of like hey wouldn't it be cool if i rapped on this song instead of sang on it you know and it kind of flips the paradigm a little bit because you think especially at that time even though i know ed has like an extensive hip-hop love and background himself you know you think of ed and what he did in a collaboration way, he had like a song with Lube Fiasco where he was, you know, Lube raps and he sings on the chorus. G,
0: but it's old school, it's like 3 and it's old man, it's my old me. Takes a long time to happen so fast to realize that your future is somebody else's past.
1: think about the sort of like pop rap combinations it's like well obviously Ed is going to sing the chorus to the song and we kind of did the opposite where the thing that I ended up kind of writing became the chorus and he's like, I'm just going to I'm just going to spit bars on this song instead. So <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of changing, changing what people would expect, probably.
2: Well, that's cool. And you mentioned that the song uh, was, was collaborated on with R.J. Ferguson, who he's credited with producing along with Parrish Warrington uh, on the track. Did you demo this song uh, before uh, Ed heard it or or the producers heard it at all? Do you have a Do you have a demo?
1: i had never written anything to it. So everything like we have so many early demo versions of this song but all of it is all of it was done with ed it was kind of one of those things where we went in the studio together and like really quickly i had the idea for the chorus he had the idea for the and they don't know anything about us which became the bridge uh eventually and then we kind of just started writing each other's rap verses like kind of next to each other like i would pitch in a line he would have an idea for me and it kind of just just started flowing like just keep that keep this really simple beat on loop and we were just flowing on it and i think we may have recorded an earliest version of this song over that simple beat before the production ended up getting a lot more fleshed out afterwards
2: well this song is is catchy as all get out it's 3 minutes and 25 seconds long the intro is this lo-fi drum sample and bass guitar for one measure by itself a total of 8 measures before we hit chorus 1
0: I got soul and I won't quit. And your dad don't like it when I talk my shit. Cause I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. I'm staying up late just to pass the time. And your pants don't like it when you act getting high. But I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. Mm-hmm.
2: Cause I got soul and I won't quit. And your dad don't like it when I talk my shit. Cause I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. Staying up late just to pass the time and your parents don't like it when you out getting high. But I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. What's going on there?
1: I mean, you know, this is kind of just like the energy of this song for whatever reason was very much kind of like that teenage rebellion, you know, just kind of the little bit of swagger of hey, I'm I'm not I'm not accepted, I'm not, I'm not what you want me to be, but like I'm just going to be me sort of thing. It was it was kind of one of those, you know, turn your nose up sort of songs.
2: And like I said, I, I I, love your sound. I'm hearing so many different influences. I'm hearing a little bit of soul, some funk. It, it, there's a little bit of dance. There's a hip hop element, especially what the guitars are doing. The, the guitar has like this funk thing. Oh, that, yeah. that, uh, it, it's, it's off playing the rest of the rhythm and I, and I love it. There's harmonies on because I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. But I'm All About It Baby, the last two lines, I'm All About It Baby. There's harmonies, there's no no other harmonies on the chorus. The drum loop, the bass, guitar, and keyboards here. And then there's those horns you're talking about that were programmed, I, I they sounded programmed and I don't mean that in a bad light, but they sounded like programmed horns. It almost sounds like a lower growl of maybe a berry sax, a trombone, and a tenor sax. Now you say that RJ Ferguson had that sample and you maybe built built this around that.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it was built around those programmed horns, which are probably just like midi whatever sample that that he yeah. had. Um Parrish definitely is credited with the guitar. He's he's an awesome guitar player. He definitely brought that that funky vibe for sure. And um I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that before this process was done, we did bring in a live horn section, which I think is maybe a little bit more evident towards like the kind of bridge breakdown towards the end, where it's a little bit more. Uh, it feels a little bit more performed, and I, I I'm pretty, I'm, I'm almost positive that we, uh, we called in, we called in actual people for that. But yeah, there obviously is still kind of that, that uh, more synthetic element at the beginning. Uh, in terms of like the horn section,
2: yeah. Yeah, what you're calling the bridge, the end of the song, I'm calling the outro. Yeah, and the, the we, outro, yes, yeah, more the outro. We, well, we, we could agree to disagree. You know, it's it's an your outro, song you're here. right.
1: It, it, it definitely <laughs> classifies more, more of an outro, for sure.
2: But there is a what sounds like a trumpet, and we'll get there uh, later in the song, it sounds like a trumpet that actually sounds like a real trumpet, and, and to your point, it sounds like maybe you had some players come in and play there uh, yeah. at the end of the song. To your knowledge, your recollection, did it always start with chorus one, basically, after the intro? Or did did you ever have verse one say, maybe we should have the verse and save the chorus? Or or was the chorus, the hook always off the
1: top? Oh, in in terms of just the sequencing of the song?
2: Yeah, yeah, the arrangement.
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm pretty sure we always started with chorus one, but I, and this is part of the process of of working with a label, because I'm usually so insulated with all these decisions. But you know, you do have Craig Kalman, who is a great great music guy and really knows his stuff but this was sort of an exhaustive process because this song you know it it was the first time i had a song go to radio so there's people being in there like hey this is how a song should be formatted to go to radio the amount of times we did this intro like i have i have probably 17 different intro versions of of what ended up you know you know now you had like the sort of the drum and bass underwater feel that starts the song. There were so many different uh-huh. ways that this song started. There were like triumphant ways with the horns leading. And uh, it's it's just funny because we kind of had to just keep creating these intros out of what uh, Ed did, because I only had Ed for the one day. And he he did lay down a bunch of riffs and a bunch of like oohs and and no's. So, like you said, like no, oh, oh. he had like a bunch of uh-huh. things. But they were all over the place, so I kind of, you know, mad scientist doctored them all around to make them kind of uh, make sense for the song. So yeah, we always started with that first chorus, but that intro was like a huge, (laughs) huge debate on, on, on how the song should really start.
2: Oh, man, and you just, you know, you brought back some times, memories, I guess, of, of recording in the past. Where you, When you start chasing your tail, it's hard to recover from that when you're like, you've done an intro 30 times. Did you guys all know at some point, like, okay, this is it?
1: Yeah. I'm a big demo-itis guy, too, like, especially I feel that way <laughs> working on this yeah. new record. Like, if you give me that bounce on my phone and I'm listening to it, like, I'm it's going to be hard to detach me from it, even if there's a better version that should be had. So I... We definitely had some demo-itis on this one, and we had to break that wall in order to, to get to the final version.
0: Hey,
3: everybody. Don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Hoodie Allen after a few words from our sponsors.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty
0: that I didn't even know that you were flying to LA to have dinner with his parents
3: and now
2: back to the show when I do these episodes, I always research, you know, pretty deeply. And I, I go and look at YouTube videos of live performances. And the first one I pulled up, it was a TV show, a morning show on news station in Philly. You were playing live with just a guitarist, uh, an acoustic guitar and a drummer. And then there was you. And I noticed, and maybe it was because it was for TV early morning, that you didn't start with verse one. You just did chorus one into verse two mm. that you sing on. And I was like, well, maybe he doesn't do Ed's part live, but then I went to a live video of you in a, in a theater or a club, and, and there it was—you actually, you actually do Ed's part. Which brings me to my question: Was verse one always going to be Ed, or, or, or maybe you did verse one and he did verse two, and you swapped them, or was it always uh, he was going to start this track?
1: Um, I think after we like it became sort of seen that I was kind of the lead on this chorus, and the chorus was going to start. I thought, yeah, let's let's bring in let's bring in Ed's verse. People have had enough of me at the top of this song. Let's, let's, let's give them a little, a little back and forth vibe. So yeah, it, it, it kind of, Ed was kind of always the, the, the lead verse on this one.
2: And now the verse, do you consider the verse going all the way up to the chorus? Or I think there's a pre-chorus in here before chorus two. What do you think?
1: There's definitely sort of like the, the last four bars, you definitely kind of get that breakdown with the sort of the, the, the plucky piano (laughs) <laughs> and, um, I, you know, because I'm just coming off of playing this live yesterday. You definitely see. I mean, there are definitely a couple moments that are crowd reactive on this song. Right. Um, and, and that's always cool to see. And, and you never always you don't always know it until you start playing it live. But yeah, w- with in, in terms of this song, the back four lines of each verse definitely do stick out almost similar to what a traditional pre hook would be, because people do know them Almost separately from the verse, so that that is that's a good point.
2: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna save what I think's the pre-chorus, and I'm just gonna read the verse lyrics here in a second. But when the verse uh, starts here, verse one, a high-pitched piano joins the party here with the rest of the music, and and it's just I love when that piano part comes in. It just it, the verse doesn't really do too much of a departure from the chorus, but that piano is enough to, to send it
0: somewhere else just a singer with a game plan I play guitar, no need to worry about my Drake hand 80,000 people in front of the stage dam Waiting for the sun to shine just to rock these rave bands. I just wanna leak shit, what? not literally leak shit Wanna push the music through the speakers Double shot glass and in the back of the pub My mate Jason at the bar screaming Who want what? Now please be warned that every song I feature on Has capacity to be reborn I said that anything can happen when I pick up a pen But now I'm on
2: I'm not a rapper, just a singer with a game plan. I play guitar, no need to worry about my Drake hand. 80,000 people in front of the stage, damn. Waiting for the sun to shine, just to rock these Ray-Bans. I just want to leak shit, what? Not literally leak shit. Want to push the music through the speakers. Double shot glass, I'm in the back of the pub. My mate Jason at the bar screaming, who want what? What? Now, please be warned that every song I feature on has capacity to be reborn. I said that anything can happen when I pick up a pen, but now I'm all about love. So, won't you say it again? Man, there's a lot here. What's happening?
1: Um, so, I mean, I think one of the first things, and you'll and you'll know it when you you know get to my verse, is we kind of had this dichotomy between like, I'm not a singer, I'm not a rapper, I'm just this. <laughs> yeah, and and, and it, it you know I I think you turn your head on it because like. Ed says, hey, I'm going to rap on this song. And I'm like, hey, cool, I'll I'll sing on this chorus. And traditionally, I think we both have weaved through a little bit of both. But, you know, traditionally people see Ed Sheeran as a singer, amazing voice. Ballad, people generally see me. Oh, yeah, he's a rapper, um, even though we kind of live in a, a little bit less of a genre-specific space nowadays. So when he kicks off this verse, hey, he's not a rapper, just a singer with a game plan. It's a little boastful. It's like... He plays guitar in front of people, eighty thousand people. It's just him on the stage and no one else. And like he, <laughs> he it's just you know, <laughs> that's what it is. And it's like, yeah, that's real. When I say it and I'm playing in front of eight hundred people, it doesn't feel as genuine because I'm mm-hmm. in seventy nine thousand people. But um, <laughs> this is Ed's. This is Ed's experience. He 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 gets on there and he plays for eighty thousand people.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't come off as is cocky or, I don't know, it just, it seems real. It seems like he's, you know, he's having a little fun with himself and I really like that aspect.
1: Oh, for sure. The, the, the song itself, I think it definitely, and, and we try to play this through the music video too. It's very, it's very light, it's very playful, I think is a great word for it. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, like, even in the chorus, it's like, oh, your dad don't like me, don't worry about it. I'm all about it, baby. Like, it's meant to be playful and fun in summertime and i think we kind of keep that spirit especially in these in these verses
2: for sure and what i love about it is, is he is rapping here but oh, yeah. a lot of times a lot of times in raps you don't get harmonies and Ed's known for his, his awesome harmonies and there's a ton of them here on singer with a game plan worry about my Drake hand in front of the stage damn just to rock these Ray-Bans I could go on throughout the verse there's harmonies yeah. everywhere and I love the little hooks I've always loved this about rap and hip-hop it's not just the delivery and the lyrics and what's going on with the, with the subject meaning of of the song it's the little hooks that happen. When you say what here, it's like a high pitch, what that happens there, that's a hook. And when you say who want what, that gang vocal near the end of of verse one, just those little sprinkles. And was that something that happened in the studio that you you thought you'd spice these parts up or was that kind of how it was written?
1: This might be Ed's, uh, I I guess I don't know if this is Ed's normal style. It resonated with me as something that I do as well, which is sort of you, you lay down the lead for verses like this, And then you go and spice them up and you create those moments where harmonies make sense or or like, you know, melodic moments get added in there, especially like, you know, you get that gang section with the who want what that's an example of something that like has translated so well live. Like I just, I let the crowd do that. You know, everyone yes. knows that part. So sometimes you build in these things and then you can kind of almost see the vision for where they're going to go in terms of like the, the concert experience as well.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you don't think about that. I know I've done that. My, my band's done it where you write a song, you never think or you just don't know what's going to translate live. And the
1: next yeah, thing, and, it I, does. and you're like, Whoa. Yeah.
2: When I was watching your live videos that who want what parts every hand Hand goes in the air. They're all they're all screaming that part. It's great.
1: I don't know if at this point I knew that that would be the moment for the song, or it's just like you said, one of those things where then you start playing it and you're like, oh, this is what it is, and you sort of get accustomed to to expecting the crowd to to go off for that. But yeah, I, it, it's funny. So like in in on this on this bar here, it kind of is speaking to our real life experience, right? We, me and Ed, and our buddy Jason, who I'll get to. Um, He's kind of the guy who introduced us. That was our relationship. Like we would be in a New York city. I don't want to say dive bar, but like, you know, when, when we would go out, it would be like, let's go somewhere more inconspicuous and myself. We're not really trying to go to clubs, get attention. We like to just have, get a nice little beer with a friend, have a conversation, be somewhere, especially, you know, in, in his status where, you know, you could just be yourself and not be uh uh, surrounded by the expectation of the same way when you're playing for 80,000 people. So it is <laughs> just, I'm in the back of the pub, Jason screaming, Hey, does anyone want anything to drink? Like, and then, and that's, that, that was sort of our, our, you know, friendship for all those years.
2: Well, yeah, before we're going to move on here, I was going to ask who, who's the mate Jason here? Who, who you're referring to?
1: Uh, that's, that's Jason, who is uh, one of Ed's, one of Ed's people at, at his label actually, and someone who I grew up with. Or, or not so much grew up with, we grew up in a similar area. And we have a lot of mutual friends kind of on the the Jewish geography of life. I don't know if you're familiar with that or that term. But basically, it means that every, everyone is connected to each other through very very close means basically six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon. So um. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. Well, the the pre-chorus here, the the whole vibe changes here. Uh, it, it breaks down to just keys and vocals, and there's harmonies on every line here, and on the first line. The second line, the third line, and the fifth line here. There's these stabs. It's like a bass and a horn stab that happen again. Yeah. I consider that a hook. I love that.
0: Love, so won't you say it again. I said I used to be the shy type. Back back on my back on public transport with a guy type. Now I'm in the limelight, trying to get my mind right. Body clock is in the cloud, so i guess it's high time. hoodie sing the line I like I, won't quit.
2: I said I used to be the shy type. Backpack on my back on public transport, sort of guy type. Now I'm in the limelight, trying to get my mind right. Body clock is in the clouds, so often guess it's high time. Hoodie sing the line like,
1: I'm I'm pretty positive this is just kind of you know Ed's reminiscing here on days when he would do what 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 is like busking, you know, basically like hey <laughs> hey, you know. I'm on the street corner. I have got my backpack. I got my guitar. I'm riding these little trains in, not even London, like in in the in the countryside of England. And that was my life. And now I am the opposite. I'm playing for all these people. I'm on a plane so often that every day it's high time, little double entendre, right? And you know, just a, a complete different existence because always on the move, always on the go, and just it has all the attention on it.
2: Yeah, I like the last line. Hoodie sing the line like, and of course you come in right off the top, right there with
0: chorus two. Hoodie sing the line got like so I won't quit. And your dad don't like it when I talk my shit, cause I'm all about it, baby. I'm all about it, baby. We're staying up late just to pass the time, and your pants don't like it when you act getting high, but I'm all about it, baby.
2: same lyric as the top of the song. However, on the lines, staying up late just to pass the time and your parents don't like it when you're out getting high. There's harmonies here that weren't on chorus one. Do you recall how that came about?
1: You know, I think it's an important thing, especially on pop songs, to give ear candy wherever you can, right? Whether it's conscious or subconscious, you don't want these choruses to sort of just Get redundant or monotonous. And sometimes it's as simple as, as as laying a little harmony down that gives it a little bit of a lift, a little bit more flavor, a little bit something for a really active listener to, to kind of grab onto. I think it's just important to try to, you know, keep the song interesting when the formats of of these pop songs are pretty routine and, and expected.
2: Well, as my listeners know, I'm a big harmonies guy. I'm a big harmonies guy in terms of where the placement is. I love little stuff like that. I love when songs build. When we get to the end of chorus two here, uh, I'm all about it, baby. And then panned off to the right, you hear like a, uh, yeah. voc- vocal that happens before we get into verse two. I love verse two because again, talking about that building uh, hoodie, there's a high synth-like pads, like stabs here that are now present throughout verse two that weren't there in verse one. Yeah, and and, and again, was that something that uh, RJ worked up in the studio? Was that was that you and Ed, or was it a collaborative uh, thing?
1: Yeah, that was definitely RJ, and that definitely speaks to like the amount of um, detail that they put into. Trying to build the production and and kinda of, kind of do that same thing, the same things that we're trying to do with, you know, hey, why why does that chorus have like a nice little high-end sweet sounding thing? Kind kind of trying to do the same, same thing for the verse, keep the verses interesting so they're not, they don't feel just like this loop. Cause a lot of the elements are like bump, 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 and very sort of um not monotonous, but like uh I'm I'm missing the the right word, but uh, you know, it can feel. It, like it, it can, it needs like a high energy punch. And I think the synth achieves that uh as a sort of a, a counterbalance to some of those lower end elements.
2: It definitely does. And something else I love here, you know, of course you're singing chorus two straight into verse two, but you know, now you're, you're doing the verse here, not Ed. And it, it sounds it's the same song. It's in the same world, but obviously it's different. Ed has like kind of the British accent (laughs) uh, happening up there, but, but I think it's awesome when you come in here, it's, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. Not that I didn't like Ed's verse, but I think it's cool that you, you take over on verse too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, this is sort of, I mean, definitely my wheelhouse verse wise. I mean, I'm, I'm, first of all I'm getting to play off of Ed, which is, which is really easy and, and, and fun. But, um, I'm sure we're gonna get into lyrics on it, but it's a typical verse for me where I'm (laughs) unpacking packing pop culture references that make that are probably pretty niche and obscure, but and then a little little bit of braggadociousness, a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness, and obviously playing off of his I'm not a rapper. I'm I'm coming in saying, I'm not a singer, but I do rap pretty. (laughs) I I this is basically just to say, like, yeah, I'm not a singer, but you know, I do I do throw in a lot of a lot of melody into my I'm not just a rapper either.
0: Not a singer, I just rap pretty So now my fan base is full of Megan's and Ashley's And they're wondering if there's room for them to get on my bus I'm like, naturally, baby, let me find a spot in the front For you and for your friends You can be mine, but we can pretend I'm not
2: I'm not a singer I just rap pretty I love that line. so now my fan base is full of Megans and Ashley's and they're wondering if there's room for them to get in my bus and I'm like naturally baby let me find a spot in the front. For you and for your friends. You can be mine, but we can pretend. Oh, typical rapper acting a typical fashion. I'm doing something that's different. I'm trying to Paula my patent. To young Prince of Manhattan, now everybody believe it. Adrian Broner, the way I'm ducking and weaving. We go together like interceptions in Revis. She said the only rapper she loving is Jesus. <laughs>
1: there's a lot here man <laughs> for sure it's, it's a bit easier for it's a bit easier for me to uh, cause since I wrote this I'm like oh I can I can go over this one a lot easier than the first verse
2: <laughs> who what's up with uh, your, your fan base uh, is uh, Megan's and Ashley's are just common common ladies names is that what's happening there
1: Yeah I mean my mindset at the time of this it's like there's an element of self-awareness to my music and you know as like as things are taking off in this time and and you know these I, I've started playing shows, and the demo, even the demographics of the shows are changing. Now Now I've got a lot of girls coming to my shows. And so this is me kind of calling out like, hey, yes, I'm not a singer, I rap pretty. So look, now my fan base is teenage and 20 year old white girls named Megan and Ashley coming to the show. Um, <laughs> and that, that's kind of just me being like tongue in cheek to myself and and then saying like, ah, this is what everyone's expect, like, or even this is what everyone's expectation is of me, right? Now these people at the show, like these girls, oh, they must, they must be trying to, you know, be on the tour bus. And yeah, let me, let me bring you on the tour bus for for you and your friends, and we can have this crazy one night groupie sort of thing. The truth is, and 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 it's supposed to be caveated here. Oh, typical rapper acting in typical fashion. Like this is what your ex- all of this above is what your expectation is of of what it is to be on tour. What it is that I'm presenting. But truly, like I'm trying to do something that's different. And that's that's kind of the sets up the back half of this verse here.
2: Right. And I I love verse two because, again, it's building here. Uh, in addition to those high synth stabs that we were talking about that's present all through the verse, uh, after the line, find a spot in the front, there's this cool guitar lick with oh, a little, yeah. Ri- yeah, with like a little rhythmic <laughs> pickup. <laughs> the-
0: yeah. baby, let me find a spot in the front for you and for your
2: friends. Yeah, and then like there's this rhythmic hiccup with the drums on the next line for you that that happens. It's great. And then starting on the line, everybody believe it. At the back end of that line, there's like I don't know if it's keyboards or it's the echo of like a clean guitar. It kind of sounds like low tubular bells.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, or, or like a really reverbed, like low xylophone or something that's happening there. And that's on all the back four lines
0: here. What was that? Do you recall?
1: gosh i truly don't. <laughs> I don't okay
2: i honestly can't tell if it's like a clean guitar or, or keys but that guitar lick we were uh, speaking of a moment ago was that something that Parrish uh did in the studio that Parrish was Warrington? yeah that, okay
1: that, that that was something he did um again just a just a really cool what i would call ear candy moment right i mean it it, it plays really nicely against this syncopation of the of the of the sort of like what i'm doing there I love giving like, it gives a little attitude. It's like the guitar is speaking the same way that the verse is speaking. Like, yeah, let me, you know, it just kind of has that same sort of braggadocious nature to it. It's, it's funky.
2: Now I notice here on verse two, there's not as many harmonies. You're, you're pretty sparse with them, but, but they, where they're at are perfect. And again, where they're at intrigues me that it's on Megan and Ashley's. There's a harmony on naturally baby. Let me find a spot in the front. There's a harmony on for your friends be mine. Pretend O. Oh. It's not on all the lines. So the the lyric there is, you can be mine, but we can pretend oh So you just did be mine and pretend. What was the the idea behind this? Did, did you do you recall putting harmonies on maybe everything, and then maybe you know RJ uh, picked his spots later and, and filled in where he was going to have the harmonies, or were they were they set in stone of where they were going to be at? Because they're, they're kind of all over the place here in verse two.
1: My style personally with this is, let me turn my brain off. Once we have like a really good comp to verse let me turn my brain off and go through it a couple times so i will do a few things where we're like whoa that was really good and then a few things where you're like well that's not it and 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 you know you edit those out so i i think you know i love doing a couple passes through trying a couple different things and then creating a comp for them i think the same spots sort of started to pop out and then when you have ed sheeran in the studio with you you say hey ed can you do the same thing? So he'll go through and be like, yeah, throw some on there. So there are some, I think that are like Ed's vocals. And there's some that are a little bit more uh, gravelly that kind of sound more like me uh, uh, even on, on this verse, but it was kind of playful in that nature where since we wanted it to feel very like posse cut, very collaborative, he's, he's doing some of these, uh, ad-libs essentially on my verse too.
2: Okay, okay. I I was thinking I heard him in in different spots of the song, but it's hard to tell. So he was singing other harmonies in different different spots in the track.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to pick out where he definitely is on it, but I, he's he's definitely on a, a couple of different moments for sure.
2: Right. Well, I'll tell you, pre-chorus 2 is probably my favorite part of the song lyrically. There's some things in here that just kill me.
0: One for the money, two people since the beginning. Three million records gets the night Everybody is winning. I'm Larry David plus Miles Davis. So everybody hated and fuck it, I hardly blame them. Cause I got sold. One for the money,
2: two people since the beginning. Three million records get sold and not everybody is winning. I'm Larry David plus Miles Davis. So everybody hating and fuck it. I hardly blame them because I got. And that's right before we get into Chorus 3. Uh, set up these lyrics and then I, I got some got some stuff to talk about uh, musically here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's like uh, one for the money, two for the show. Like just, you know, sort of that old trope. but. Here we just go into it one for the money, two two people since the beginning. That's just that's just uh me and RJ. He's been my main guy since the beginning of this, and it's just sort of an allusion to our relationship. Three million records sold. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but let's just uh
2: <laughs> you know,
1: we needed to continue the one, two, three of it. So maybe maybe let's just co-opt Ed's record sales and say that was if you combine my sales and his sales, then we do have three million records sold. Larry David plus Miles Davis like on a song where you're talking about having soul and it's just like hey this is this is what it feels like to me i i'm this jewish new yorker who raps who's sarcastic who's trying to be funny sometimes uh occasionally feels you know very much like larry david is the uh spirit animal for that but then hey this is the avenue i do i'm i'm trying to make music i'm trying to you know bring some like you know, life and soul and and make people feel stuff. So hey, I'm Larry David plus Miles Davis. Great, great inner rhyme there. And everybody hating, I don't even blame them because I do have soul. You know what I mean? And it's just set set just set setting yourself up to fall right into that chorus the same way the first verse falls right into the chorus.
2: It is ridiculously awesome. It's great. <laughs> The I think I just, the, the Larry David, just that Miles Davis, that that line right there is what, what sends it over the edge here for pre-chorus too. The first two lines have harmonies on them, I noticed. And the first two lines are just keys and vocals only. The last couple lines, when you start uh, with the Larry David line, it's only vocals right there yeah. up to Cuz I Got and there's a harmony on Cuz I Got and right after that the band comes in for chorus three also notice that there's four stabs here again those little hooks within the song it's like a bass and a horn stab that's happening on the, the first line on right on the first lyric one on the second line on records it happens that stab and then it happens on the word hating uh, and also at the end of uh, line two on the word I'm and there's a stab there that uh, again just just those, those those little little hooks are great chorus 3 again the lyric is the same here the harmonies are in the same place uh and that echo keyboard guitar sound that i was hearing earlier where i was saying kind of sounds like tubular bells that's all over chorus 3 here so again the song's still building here
0: cuz i got soul and i won't quit and your dad don't like it when i talk my cuz i'm all about it baby baby staying up just pass time and your don't like it when you all about it baby all about it
1: this is just you know kind of the uh, the pop format the try to keep people engaged and interested when you know you're hitting this chorus one more time and you know trying to give people a reason not to leave the song right I think I think we're even seeing that nowadays. So many songs are like less than two and a half minutes long because we're just like adjusting for for especially new songs, like adjusting for people's uh, attention spans, essentially.
2: I also think you can overdo it. And I know you've heard this, where yeah. it's just you're, you know. But by the end of the song, there's just too much going on. You know, so it's it's just too big. Sometimes a train wreck is good, and sometimes it's just not not good. And I think that uh, your introduction of sounds as this song goes, it, it's not overblown. I think I think it's the, the perfect amount. The last line here on "Baby," you kind of do this baye kind of holdout vocal that takes us in to this outro that Ed sings, and this is one of the more intriguing parts of the song, Hoodie for me because you know, you don't get the chorus hook again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of you're taking a risk here by doing this outro that really is kind of a separate piece of music from the rest of the song. How'd yeah. that come about?
1: Um, yeah, so the, the interesting part about this is this was kind of, it, not like we were competing in the studio, but it was kind of interesting to see the dance between what was the song gonna be? What was the chorus to the song gonna be? and the idea that that ed had was the and they don't know anything about us like this is sort of the thing that he kept humming and saying over and over again and i was like hey i have this i have this idea like can i play it for you and it was what ended up being like the chorus the all about it, and i got soul and um we just were just like let's see if we can work both of them into the song let's see if we can like make it make sense to have both of these things in the song to have it make lyrical sense as well not only just like sonically and rhythmically and um so it's kind of like we were asking each other. Like I felt like I was like asking for permission almost to be like, "Hey, should this be the chorus? Like, if you have a better idea, <laughs> like, let's keep going." Right. And he was like, "No, I like it. Do it. Let's run it." Um, he's very easy to work with. But so that's how this part kind of came uh, about. And obviously, like you said, it's a little bit of a a departure musically. And then you have this really cool outro with like sort of like a guitar ripping solo. So it kind of yes. its, It kind of becomes its own little world for a second which i i really like sound wise
2: yeah it's very interesting very hooky as you said this could almost be a chorus in and of itself yeah bit of lyrics here, Hoodie. I'm going to kind of give my notes uh, musically along with it. Uh, there's harmonies on everything here at the end. Um, there's a cool slap delay on the vocals here. You don't hear in the rest of the song. I love the vocal treatment that happens here. And there's some really great horn synth pads that come in here that you don't hear in the rest of the song that I really like. The lyric is, and they don't know anything about us or anything about us or anything about it. No, no, no. And on that line, no, 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 there's this low, uh, lower bass voice uh, vocal on that that comes in. And they don't know anything about us or anything about us or anything about it. No, no, no. And on that third line or anything about it, there's that high trumpet that comes in, kind of panned over right. And then we get into like the vocal scatting here with Ed, and he's doing these O O O E O, and I won't even try to, <laughs> to say them all, but as that's happening, there's another cool horn interplay between the vocals there. And on that first O O E thing that Ed does there, it sounds like there's a guitar lick. And I think maybe this is what you were just referring to as the solo that comes in. It almost sounds like something on ACDC riff, but it's kind of buried, but it's awesome. No, no, no.
1: Again, I think because I'm used to it being a big like a like a more present element live, I can't even remember if it's like kind of more buried in the actual mix of the song. You know, when it you start, is. When you start playing these songs live, they kind of like you remember that version more so than the the original MP three
2: for sure. And it, and if I were to do it live, I'd crank that guitar part up because it's yeah. kick ass. It's yeah, awesome. it's just
1: like a boom stand forward moment. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of elements in this back end here. Like lyrically, it's pretty simple. It's sort of the dichotomy of like the you're talking to that girl like hey we can do our own thing like romeo and juliet like your parents your parents don't they don't really know they're trying to hold us back they don't know anything about us they don't know who we really are it's also kind of hey me and ed on the song like this is not what you expect of us um or what you expected but we're giving it to you anyway
2: right and the last lines here i'm singing songs for the city o-o-o-e-o-o and then there's another one of those that ed does after that and then the last Ooh yeah, that happens is just by itself. It's just vocals and a horn swell that ends the song there. And you're you're in the studio and you hear this back for the first time. What was uh, what was your reaction? What was RJ's reaction? Did you did you think you had something here? Because again, this wasn't released. Uh, uh, you know, it was the fourth single from the record.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it's so interesting to think back on it because um, we had such a bare version of this song without all of these sort of elements that you've highlighted um, for the longest time and i i mean i always loved what the song was but it kind of turned out to be something even cooler than what i expected because when they really sort of went in uh rj and parish for that sort of full pass of the production really giving it their all so many of these elements started to come out and shine and then i guess i took a little bit more of a of a Um, lead role in organizing some of that scatting like we kind of said hey ed do every idea that you have on this on these uh, over really simple stuff like he was doing a lot of these really cool vocal scatting and singing songs with the city and like all all these sort of things over what basically amounts to just those those original horns so Mm -hmm. it's sort of being imaginative like it's one thing to hear it now and be like oh well he was doing this over this very lush big percussive section but it wasn't that it was almost like that all of these guitars and things that came in came in to complement some of the ideas that were already laid down vocally after that
2: gotcha gotcha well man there there was uh there was a lot here and and i can relate to what you said earlier about being in the studio you're doing this intro over and over and you know sometimes the best songs come within five minutes and sometimes you have to put a little elbow grease into it and that sounds like what uh, what went on here
1: it was like we wrote it in that one night and then we took this really almost like this extended break on it before it came so it was almost like a it was a labor of love but so much of it got done so quickly that it felt like one of those things that naturally came together but you know the the process of getting it to be released uh the process of getting it to sound and oh deciding on that intro it was definitely um one of the more exhaustive but not in a negative way just (laughs) yeah just like exhaustive in terms of really paying attention to detail songs that i i probably can you know recall
2: Right on. Well, hey, man, this has been a, a lot of fun to break down this song. You should be really proud of this track. It, it's awesome. And before we break, is there anything I'd like to leave the listeners with? What's going on with you? I know you're on the road right now. And uh, when do when do you think the new record's going to drop?
1: Probably the beginning of October. And yeah, I mean, I would say thank you so much for having me on and, and giving me the opportunity to talk about this. It was so fun. I don't think I've ever gotten to do this on any record before. I almost felt like I was uh you know I had to step up my game and really channel what was I feeling during <laughs> during this time because you know this song is uh it's been out for like seven or eight years now. Right. But yeah, it was great to to go through it. And I would just say, hey, if, if you're listening, um, I'm I'm gonna be putting out a new album and it's a little bit more in sort of the alternative rock space. There's almost no rapping on the entire album. So if that's something that is interesting to you and, and you're sort of a listener that loves that kind of music, this might be something that is more to your liking as well. So I hope that you'll check it out.
2: Well, that's awesome. Once again, thank you so much. And, and and really, thank you for taking the time on a day off from the road to talk to me. I don't usually like to do interviews on a day off, so much appreciated, man. I appreciate it.
1: I'm just so glad that I have my voice on a day off. Isn't that that's the real blessing?
2: So, <laughs> that's the other thing, right? Yeah,
1: that, that that's always the greatest. But yeah, I'm so, ha- so happy to be on here. Thank you so much. I don't
0: want to give you up. I just want to give you love. I don't want to make it tough. Don't gotta do too much. I
3: don't say goodbye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Hoodie Allen. But don't go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to make a podcast. We got band you might not know. We got the rap. We got all that good stuff coming up after a few words from our sponsors.
0: The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMs.
1: It wasn't just a radio station. It was a life. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Right? I do like yeah. The, wrath
2: of the, buzzard.
1: the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in america profiles the wrath of the buzzard proh files subscribe now wherever you get
3: podcasts the new punchline single i don't want to leave yet is streaming everywhere now you like what you hear, you could check out Punchline, I Don't Want to Leave Yet, wherever you stream music.
2: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Send Request, a pop punk post hardcore band from Northeast Pennsylvania. You can find their songs on all the streaming platforms. Here's a snippet of their song Falling to Pieces.
0: The rap with Chris and Chris.
3: Well, that was a really fun and interesting episode. Chris, one of the first things I thought was really funny was that he talked about how when, and they sing about it in the actual song, but that Ed came in there and you expect him. To sing the chorus. That's what they always do Uh in the hip hop songs. The singer sings the chorus, but instead he's like, no, I'm going to rap in the song. And, you know, he's obviously very tongue in cheek with his raps, but he's also really good as well it's very well done
2: yeah and to your point he's not rapping in the chorus he's rapping in the first verse which that's just, yeah that's that's really different you know and and i'm glad hoodie said it i didn't want to i didn't really know how to how to say this but he had mentioned well he wasn't quite a stadium act in 2014 you know and, and well and, and he was he was huge then make no bones about it but what he's become since then is, is is
3: incredible well he did get a little bit inside baseball with how to collaborate with a big artist how The uh, hoops you got to jump through to make that happen, even if it's your friend and you recorded a song together. There's a lot of people. Ed Sheeran, I can't imagine how big his team of people are. And yeah, maybe he wasn't playing stadiums yet at that point in 2013, 2014 or so. But Chris, I looked it up. At this point in his career, Ed Sheeran... Was already popular. He was writing with Taylor Swift and One Direction. He was nominated for Album of the Year for his album Multiply at the 57th Grammys. And he performed the song Thinking Out Loud at the Grammys that year with John Mayer, Questlove, and Herbie Hancock. So all I'm getting at here is Ed Sheeran wasn't small potatoes at this point. When this song was happening, no, not at all. And and
2: uh, you know, Ho- Hoodie admitted to the fact, and and I thanked him for being as transparent. He's like, yeah, we had to get all these clearances. That's how big of a star he was. And for those that don't know, you know, you don't want your artist going and singing on someone's record and selling a billion records for them. You want to, you know, when you're running a business, essentially what a label is. You know, you you're <laughs> you're protective of uh, of your assets, of your income. So that that's why there's these clearances that happen that uh, Hoodie obviously had to go through to to clear him
3: for this track. Yeah. But I thought it was a really interesting story behind the song. And I thought it was cool that he said, and it does sound like this, it was two friends that said, hey, let's go in the studio and let's mess around and write something, you know? And at the same time that it sounds like it came together quickly, it also was a very long process. It was like the idea came out quickly, but the finished product Took a very long time. I know. And, it, and,
2: and every time we do one of these episodes, you never know what you're going to hear. How many times have we heard it? Uh, the hit single was written in five minutes without much thought behind it. And other times, uh, in this instance, it was written pretty quick. It sounds like the initial idea. But then the laboring happened <laughs> they got in the studio they couldn't figure out this intro and they kept working on it and working on it until they finally got something uh, that everybody uh, thought was great
3: yeah hoodie in this episode mentioned demoitis which i can't believe 120 some episodes into this podcast that that term hasn't come up more it has come up here and there i, I know i always fall victim to it I'm um, Chris. Do you fall victim to demoitis often?
2: Yeah, I think sometimes you you get so attached to something that you think is great. And I'll tell you, demoitis for me is is nine times out of ten the idea. Uh, in retrospect, a year or two later, I will go, yeah, that wasn't that great. Of it. I could see why the rest of the guys in my band maybe didn't think that was. But you, you'll get stuck on it. I've I've gotten angry. My band mates have gotten, oh, this part has to stay. It's the perfect horn part, or it's the perfect vocal part. And at the end of the day, it's just, uh, yeah. Demo-itis. You're you're just attached to it because you've heard it so many times.
3: When you guys were recording this episode, I kept thinking to myself, like being in the studio, these two guys who, yeah, hoodie raps. and, And for the most part, Ed Sheeran is known for a lot of ballads. But what these guys have in common is that they're great at writing pop hooks. So you put these two guys in the studio together, and it's nonstop pop hook, pop hook, pop hook. And that's why this song is so... Jam packed full of them. I heard you say that so many times like, that's a hook, that's a hook, that's a hook. It's just mm-hmm. nonstop. Well, yeah, and people,
2: you know, for anybody that that, that bags on rap or, oh, it's just p- people talking over a drum sample, <laughs> there's so much more. And we've talked about that on the show a lot, that there's so much more that goes into it. And rap is just synonymous with hooks. And there's just those little things, the gang vocal on this one part or these synth stabs that come in like this song, just those little, little elements. They're all little hooks with, within the track. Something else I loved is he mentioned, and I know this, you've probably done this with Punchline, Chris, where you go out and you played a song so many times and you don't like sit around listening to your own material yeah. where you go back and like, wow. That guitar lead at the end of the song, we we that's a really present featured part live. We we crank that thing. But on the record, it was kind of buried here, which that like little guitar solo in this song at the end, the ACDC
3: thing is, is really cool. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. When you're so used to playing a song that you forget, oh, that's how we did that 10 years ago on the album that I never listened to, because it just turns into a whole other beast, the live version of it, which is why I think sometimes when really great bands release live albums, they're so good. You know, mm, the, and yeah. you're, you're you're getting a lot of those things. The cream rises to the top in a way when, when it comes to parts of the songs or what. I don't know. Part of it's probably also... What you enjoy playing up there? What what makes you feel good when you're playing it live?
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I, I it's always a risk when you don't end with a hook of a song. You take some kind of departure, and this this was almost into Coda territory here, Chris. This this outro—it's just <laughs> so kind of left field, but it's a hook
3: within itself. And I think the gamble paid off, dude. It's so funny you bring that up. In my personal experience, in Punchline right now, I'm part of a text thread where we're talking about this new song we recorded and like it's being mixed right now and i it has a really long outro with no vocals on the outro it's just a musical part and we're having this discussion like yo like half of us think it should have this long outro half of us don't <laughs> and like you said that's kind of a risk especially if you want the song to be a single you mm-hmm. know to to go somewhere else at the end of a song it's i think you have to rely on your gut, on your musical gut as to whether that's a good idea. I think in this instance on this Hoodie Allen song, I think it's great. Absolutely. And you know what else is great, Chris? Uh, our supporting cast program. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know what I was going to say? Gosh, you were getting good at this.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Our supporting cast program. That's our VIP program. You can head over to chrisdemakes.com. Tell them what they get, Chris.
3: You will get a bonus episode of The After Party every week. You'll get an entire back catalog of The After Party and Chris, most importantly, you'll be supporting the podcast that you love for the cost of a cup of coffee at Starbucks every month. You're helping out your boys, Chris and Chris, and helping us continue this show. Forever. That's right. Head over to Christamakes.com
2: to be part of our supporting cast. And if you haven't already, please join our Facebook group, the Christamakes a podcast Facebook group. It's free to join. We have a lot of fun in there. And give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. I'd appreciate it. Wanna thank this week's guest, Hoodie Allen, and we'll see you next week.
3: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky?